Thanks for listening to the Swearing In Podcast, where you'll hear the origin stories of those who chose to serve. So ground your gear, take a seat, and listen up. The Swearing In Podcast starts right now. Welcome to all my brothers and sisters in service. I am Marty Smith, and this is the Swearing In Podcast. Today is part four of my interview with General Petty. We discuss his time as a NATO commander in Bosnia. In 2015, he was moved to his next assignment at the National Guard Bureau in Arlington, Virginia, as a special assistant to the director. After only a year at the National Guard Bureau, he took an assignment at the Pentagon as a Deputy Director of Operations for the DEMO OD, which is the Department of the Army Management Office Operations and Contingency Plans Division, on the regular Army staff. His next assignment was to U.S. Northcom at Peterson Air Force Base, Colorado, as a Deputy Director of Operations. General Petty retired in 2018. Now this concludes your pre-brief, so let's get on with the interview. Uh, we're back with General Chris Petty. Thanks, sir. You're not tired of me yet? No way. We got <laughs> we got about seven more episodes planned. So. Okay. Uh, so when we left off, we were talking about your time over in NATO. And I was curious about that because you started to allude to some of the uh, landmines you got to kind of traverse. Um, first off, tell me, tell the who's listening, what do we, what did the normal people who never worked in NATO uh, what do we not know about NATO? I think I alluded to this last time, but I'll, I'll try to make it even more clear this time. NATO is a very powerful, important alliance. I mean, I would, I totally support America's involvement in NATO. I really do. Um, but it comes with a lot of cumbersome political complexities because uh as I said last time, there was 28 NATO countries when I was a NATO commander. Yeah. Now I think it's 30, something like that. I don't follow it every day, but sure. I think it's 30. But anyway, I'll speak from my and experience. I, and I think uh, during our recent times now with the, with the news, yeah. I don't think many people knew about NATO. I, I'll tell you one thing. I didn't know about NATO until Trump started talking about funding of NATO. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. It's a, I was like, it's, what? It's what? An, Where, it's, they're not given? It's an afterthought you know. for Americans because Americans aren't used to depending on others for our defense. Sure. For some, for the majority of Europe, uh, NATO is the big kid on the block, a required aspect of their defense. Right. Absolutely required. So they talk about NATO. They care about oh, okay. NATO. Okay. For America, it's kind of like, eh, we are NATO. So we get a little cocky about that. It's yeah. it's natural. But my point was, one of the biggest things that Americans don't understand about NATO, besides the fact that they just don't pay a lot of attention to it, for the reasons we just talked about, is it's complicated. It's, it's this political alliance that is really, really powerful, lots of capability, lots of goodwill between these 28 at the time. Now I'm just going to say 30 uh, countries, but they've all signed this treaty, the mutual defense article five, but it's cumbersome. And so Mm -hmm. as I was alluding to last time, I know is, you know, you come at this as an American army officer and you're all about maximizing your initiative within commander's intent, right? Sure. That kind of rings a bell to you. It's easy. Yeah. As an officer, you're like, yeah, I get innovative. I'll solve problems. I'll, expand my boundaries as much as I can as an officer. As long as I'm operating in my commander's intent mm-hmm. guidelines, I'm good. That's not the case in NATO. It's very it's very defined by your remit, by your your document, your uh, your charter that says, you know, in my specific instance, the Bosnian mission headquarters, uh, headquarters NATO, uh, Sarajevo in Bosnia, We had a specific mission which was focused on defense reform 
uh, almost like, as I mentioned, sort of like a big consulting firm. You know, you want to join NATO, you need to bring up your standards in this, 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 oh, and this. Sure, like, sure. let's look at your logistics system. Okay, get hmm. rid of this corruption, Get create these checks and balances, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you want to build a training system. Because if you want to be a part of NATO, you need to abide by these types of training regimen requirements, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what the headquarters mission was. I'm not going to stray outside of that exact mission parameter and get creative well, you, because yeah, I'll get my no hand slapped. Right. I'll get my hand slapped because right. I don't have the authority because maybe one country didn't like that idea and so they didn't vote for that idea. So it's all very politically woven into a pretty constrictive mission set for lack of a better term. May I ask, yeah. how did you learn that? Did you have uh, an officer from Germany that said, hey, sir, take a step. <laughs> take no, a step I, back. Maybe you should slow down. Uh, or was kinda, it, were you just kind of ob- no, observing? I kind of learned it the hard way like you started with. Yeah. Because, again, I come from this culture of, hey, I've read my mission statement. I mean, right. I, I know what we're here to do. Let's get it. Let's get to it. But you got to be careful. So I sort of got my hand slapped by my boss in Naples, Italy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not a bad way. I yeah. mean, he, he didn't yeah. embarrass me or anything. But, but you know, he knew I was new to NATO. And uh, so, you know, I think he brought me in because I had to go to Naples to visit the my higher headquarters every two months, every three months. Just a quick trip to Naples check in how we doing yeah. or you know what do they expect that reports all the you know all the stuff that we got to do uh i take one or two staff officers with me every yeah. time yeah. just to see the staff and you know grease the wheels and all that but one of the trips early on was kind of like hey petty what are you doing you know <laughs> you know i got word that you're doing this i'm like yes sir are we supposed to uh no you need to and then he kind of gave me the spiel. okay so that's yeah what that's from. like right. oh the light bulb went on it's like yeah. okay this is really by the letter of the you you know the NATO mission yeah. statement, the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed because again, at the time, twenty eight member nations agreed to this sure. specifically. Chris Petty doesn't get to change yeah, that. You don't get one general yeah. like we're doing it this way. Not no matter how good your idea is. <laughs> <laughs> so so it was all good. It was a good learning point. Yeah, yeah. But I got it, and then I was a little more cautious. But uh, yeah, you're not going to get creative in, in NATO. <laughs> Uh, slow, burdensome, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to move on a dime. But boy, if a war breaks out, you want that power of that alliance yeah. beside you, behind you, and with you. There's no question about it. Yeah, that. just on paper. It's yeah, formidable. It's, it's so, formidable. Yeah. Could you imagine if you're Vladimir Putin and you're really staring down 28 nations with their full combined armies yeah and they don't have a they don't necessarily have a choice whether yeah. to play or not that's right, right. So. that's right article 5 is a, a big deal you know we evoked it for the first time in Afghanistan and it, oh, really? and it worked I didn't realize yeah. it oh yeah. okay. okay and they contributed that's why it was a NATO operation yeah, yeah. so yeah it was interesting wow. fascinating assignment wow yeah um, what uh, any highlights from there I think the the highlights were creating a more effective program. I do think we oh, did that because okay. you know the the NATO mission that I inherited had been running for in its current form. It had been running for probably uh, just ballpark twelve years. All right, twelve different commanders popping in and out. A full time staff that gets pretty accustomed to doing things the way they like to do yeah. things. And I told you last time, I'm I'm not an inertia guy. I want to kind of break it up and change it and look at it and say, are we still, you know, open up the hood? Say, are we really still measuring the things we're supposed to? Right. Are we right. really accomplishing the mission? So I think we kind of realigned a lot of the things we did in that headquarters. Oh. So I'm really proud of that, actually. Um, and I got, you know, I had, there was always resistance because, you know, inertia yeah. is there for a reason. People are comfortable. So I got some I got some resistance, but in the end, everyone was pretty happy with it. So I thought that was a win. Um, you know, we did we did a lot of good things with the country and their training programs, and we we did one of the first ever deployments of a, a support team 
between the United States and Bosnians soldiers oh, wow. to Afghanistan. Wow. You know, that was a result of some of the work we did in just, uh, you know, creating interoperability for yeah. real, yeah. you know, and that, that was fulfilling. So, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of good stuff. Interestingly enough, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they're yeah. talking about uh, Bosnia kicking back up again. Uh, I don't know if you heard or some something to that effect. Well, Serbia is that what it was? Yeah, Serbia is kind of a little hotbed right now, and oh, it's okay. been for a while because it's all it's all related to the same thing. In that right. region of the right. world, you're you've got this, you know, eight hundred year old conflict yeah. that's still frozen in time. Never really got to fight itself out like yeah. old wars used to do. So it's just kind of frozen with the Serbian tensions and the sure. ultra, not ultra, but the Orthodox Christian faith and the Serbian nationalism, even inside of Bosnia. And then you get the Muslim element oh, that's yeah. now the yeah. Kosovo dynamic between Serbians and Kosovars in Kosovo. Yeah. They're now yeah. divided. And then, of course, that spills into Bosnia. But too. there's a lot of those all over the world. There's right? a lot of them all over the world. But this one is, and I, I'm sure we talked about this last time, this is truly one of the places in the world. And I've, I, I've never seen one like this. And there are some. I just haven't been there physically. But you can literally see the 800 years of conflict. Just really? like, this is where these three, picture, picture this big map with arrows, right? Yeah. And the yeah. three arrows of Islam and the Austro-Hungarian Christianity yeah. Yeah. and the Orthodox Russian Serbian influence, they just crash right there. Oh, and it's 800 years old. Yeah. yeah, This isn't like just World War One and the breakout of World War One in this, you know, in the streets of Sarajevo. Right. It was there before that. I mean, it's amazing. That's crazy. And it, you can just feel it. Right yeah. there, and in that little port portion of the world. And because it's so old, there's so much that they won't so let go much. of, so much that they can't get past. You know? So much. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, it's powerful. Palpable. Powerful. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's just not going to go away. That's what the, the Kosovo issue right now that you just highlighted, it's it's ongoing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I saw that pop up right before the Israel thing happened. Yep. So I was like, oh, jeez, yep. we got... We got That's right. many more commitments now. Yep, so. We sure do. So anyway, Bosnia was great. Really enjoyed it. Fantastic first assignment for a young Did you get to come general. home during that year? Uh, my wife came over to visit me oh, did twice. She? Probably better. Than she, yeah, she once. came over twice and she was able to spend five weeks Oh wow! On That's one great. of them, so we actually got to see some things together. It was fun. It was yeah. really cool to share that with her, especially all the old history. That's yeah, there. it was like, so yeah. nice. We we really had a good time. I'm so glad we could do that. Yeah. So you get orders to get do do the other countries uh, NATO assigned officers rotate out like we do, or do they spend longer times there? Depends on the country. Oh. Really, it depends on the country. Uh, every country has different policies with their officers yeah. and rotations, etc. Um, and normally NATO assignments aren't just one year and I'm not sure why Bosnia was just one year for for this position but that's just the way it is yeah. uh, so I think most of the assignments are two years Oh, I but think. mine was one year and it was normal one year was the rotation on this one Okay. again I'm not sure why so two you were about to retire I'm, I was about to retire they promoted you they and promoted sent me. you over to Bosnia I said how would you like to go to this strange part of the world so now you're a year past that Proposed mm -hmm. retirement date. Mm -hmm. And you get orders to where? So I'm coming back uh, to the National Guard Bureau. So the headquarters of the National Guard. In Colorado? Nope. It's in D.C. Oh, wow. The all National yeah, Guard. Yeah. This is the, it's, it's known as NGB, National Guard Bureau. It is the headquarters of all the National Guard. Now, it's not a command and control headquarters, as, yeah. as you can imagine. You know, kind of like the Pentagon is not a command and control headquarters. Right, right. This is the National Guard's version of the Pentagon. It's okay. got its own director of the Army Guard, who's a three-star. Were you in the Pentagon? No. Well, I was back and forth. But in this job, I was in the National Guard Bureau in Arlington. So oh, okay. there's there's their own headquarters building in Arlington, Yeah. you know, really close to the Pentagon. So you shuttle back and forth for all these meetings because you're always working with the Army. Um, right, right. In fact, that's really what the whole assignment is about. Um and I'll explain, but so I'm in Arlington 
really close to the Pentagon, like literally two miles from the Pentagon is this building. And uh, yeah, it's the headquarters of the Army National Guard. So there's, um, you know, it's a regular Army staff. Yeah. A one through eight, nine, a one through nine. What did you do? I was in the G3. Now, actually, actually I was the special assistant to the director. Yeah. So I was General Cadavy at the time. Tim Cadavy was the Army three-star. So he's in charge of the Army Guard wow. across the 54 states and territories in administrative, coordination, wow. logistics, financial support. You know, he doesn't control... No, but he just you know he disperses the resources and well which units are going to deploy. So I mean it's obviously it's pretty important. Does he um, have to go to the hill and fight for money? Yeah, so that's what the job really okay. becomes, and I'll I'll try to explain it because it's interesting. So I I go to the National Guard Bureau headquarters again in Arlington. I'm the special assistant to the director, so I am General Cadby's general officer to primarily go to the Pentagon uh-huh. to represent the Army Guard at all kinds of various Pentagon meetings about resources and manning levels wow. and readiness and uh, mobilizations. And so so it was a it was kind of a whirlwind for me because not you know, I understand mobilizing, I understand training. You know, I understand the basics, but I don't understand how I'm thrown into an arena with the army, and I'm competing. I'm pre- oh, yeah. I'm presenting proposals to the army because the army and the army national guard are very uh, complementary, but always in competition. Absolutely, always in competition yeah. for resources, dollars, manning. Right. All always, and it's a, it's always an internal battle, and yet. It's waged in a very gentlemanly way because we're a total force. Yeah. We rely on them, obviously. They're the active duty army. And they definitely rely on the National Guard. They do. Because we're, I mean, the National Guard is now half the fighting force. It is. I mean, it's yeah. amazing how it's changed over time. Uh, part of it goes back to things like the article I talked to you about. You know, right. The cost effectiveness of right. the Guard. Right. So anyway, um, so now I'm in this arena of, I represent the Army Guard for my three-star. He can't be at all the meetings, right? Yeah. A lot of the meetings are one-star meetings, two-star meetings. GOSCs, General Officer Steering Committee. Lots of GOSCs. Steering Committee. Lots of GOSCs all over the Pentagon. Every day there's a, <laughs> a few GOSCs. So, um, so I'm going to these different GOSC meetings and staff meetings, and most of it is with the Army G3 okay. because I'm in the Guard kind of in that lane of operations training readiness force structure stuff yeah for the guard i'm not the budget guy i'm not the manning guy right i'm the training resources mobilization ops guy it's always been who i am so this is good i like it but i'm going to the pentagon every day sometimes twice a day for different meetings with the army staff to represent the guard yeah and i mean I, i could there's I mean, I could never run out of things to talk to you about in terms of subject matter. <laughs> sure. Because it's just everything under the sun. And uh, the hard thing for me is, you know, I usually like to know what I'm talking about, like really know it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, growing up in the Army, you know, you were a commander at that level. And man, you knew training readiness. You knew collective training. You knew training management. You knew your logistics, right? You knew what you had to know as a commander. Right. Right? You knew it inside and out. Now I'm at this level. You can't know all this stuff. And there's no crash course to understand everything like the way the army talks about. Yeah, yeah. Force structure issues and how that compares to the guard. And now I'm in the arena trying to compete for force structure issues. So I always felt at a little bit of a disadvantage. It's Always. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And I tried to get spooled up as quick as I could. But every day is a different kind of meeting. So it was a little bit frustrating. Yeah. Actually. And nobody can sit the, nobody can really sit sit you down and take the time. They can't. And I got pre-briefed from the colonels and their staff cuz you know the 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 G3 on General Cadavy's staff, you know, his G3, it's got all the institutional knowledge and all the depth of research. Right. But you know what? You can't send a colonel to the general officer meeting. It's still the way it is. Right. Nobody'll listen to him. You have to send a general. 
So the yeah. colonels get the generals all spooled up on the information, and we go into the meetings where the colonels know more about the stuff than we do. Right. But right. you got to be a general to be at this meeting, and that's unfortunate. But that's the way the game is played. Well, maybe it wasn't so bad because the other people were at. Je- or the other generals were just as much of a disadvantage yeah, yeah. as you were. It just makes you laugh a little bit. It's like, I, I mean, I understand rank matters and rank should matter. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know. Now, when you're making decisions, I mean, when you're making decisions that really impact the force that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, maybe you should have a subject yeah. matter expert. Yeah, and then sometimes, that. you know, the staff does all the work and, you know, the three-star still got the decision. He's yeah. going to say, stamp this is what i want anyway right right you know and that's that's just the way it works and that's okay but at least they've got the background information on everything. was this 2015 this was uh 16 oh so, 16 okay no this was tw- this was 2015 you're right i went to ngb in july of 2015 okay yeah so in 2015 through the following early summer i'm doing national guard leave wow now I, now i do this until you know, and I'm getting better at it as I go because you start to really learn some depth on these programs that you're trying to well, yeah. represent in these meetings every day. So it was it was good from that standpoint. I got smarter as I yeah. went. You know, I always I always said, you know, you gotta go through a full business cycle to understand a business. So if I could have stayed there for a couple of years, I would have been really smart at this. That time. had to be frustrating too. Because yeah. you you know, when wherever you are, you wanna train that next person taking over yeah. for you or at yeah. least give them the information but you're just on a whirlwind from get-go yeah it's crazy and about the time you get comfortable it's time to go it's time to go and you know i could i, I had a buddy at the pentagon and i was you know i wasn't working there yet i was still at guard bureau but i'd go to lunch in the executive dining room with him because yeah. it was kind of cool you know yeah. a, he was a two-star when i was a one-star classmate of mine at west point okay so i had this extra little behind the scenes group of friends that i could tap into because I went to West Point, yeah. and these are active duty army officers. Yeah, all ring knockers, They're sprinkled right? into the Pentagon. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not just your typical guard guy showing no, you up got... for these meetings. I'm having lunch with my classmate from you know 27 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And he's the he's the G8 of the army. <laughs> so I'm talking to him about force structure and bill pairs and. And I'm having lunch with him, and so I'm getting the behind-the-scenes poop oh, on all this stuff. That's cool. Really helpful, actually. Yeah. Really helpful. So, uh, but, you know, this guy, John Ferrari, good, great guy. Really intelligent guy. He'd been in the job for three years. Whoa. I mean, he knew it backwards and forwards. Sure. I'm the new guy going, what the heck? You know, what, is, what does this mean? What does this mean? So, uh, it was really valuable to do stuff you guys wear your like rings? That. No. No. <laughs> Were you in B's the whole no, time? No, no, no. Class I, yeah, B's? Yeah, we were in Class B's always. Ugh. Always at the Pentagon. God. I don't remember a day that I wore BDUs or ACUs at the... Yeah, right, right. It was always Class B's, which, yeah. you know, I, I get it. It's the headquarters of the Army. Yeah. I mean, the military. So I'm, I, was, I was good with that. No problem. A lot of cleaning so anyway, bills. <laughs> so I did, that, I did that for about a year, and then my boss comes to me one day out of the blue and says, Hey, Chris, I, I need to ask you a favor. We, the guy who's working for General Anderson, who's the Army G3, General Joe Anderson, I don't know if you know that name, but, but a really good man. He was a real good warrior, you know, great, great reputation. He's the Army G3. And wow. the Academy sent over a, a, you know, a new general officer, a one star, to work on the G3 staff. So yeah. it's the Army staff, not, not guard stuff, the Army staff. And, um, helping with mobilization and training oversight and blah, blah, blah. They said, Chris, this guy's not working out. Oh. So, you know, it's embarrassing for the guard. It's like, hey, we got this general officer over there. This is not, this is not working. Yeah. So Academy said, hey, Chris, I know you weren't planning to come work at the Pentagon because that's a grind. It's is even it? more of a grind than NGB, which is a grind. And uh, he said, would you be willing to do it? I said, of course I will. I mean, of course, sir. Yeah, need, sure. Of course I'm going to do it. So... So surprise, surprise, now I'm working on the Army staff, wow. which was fascinating. That's I mean, pretty cool. Yeah, in some ways, it's a, I mean, it's certainly a lateral move for me. Yeah. But in terms of understanding the Army, it was a great step up for me. Right. Because now I had understood a year in the Guard Bureau and like how that thing works with 
fighting with the army, coordinating with the army, not always fighting with the army. I don't mean that by any means because it was a good relationship. And, you know, chief of staff of the army wants the guard to succeed. So it's not like, it's not like they don't like the guard. They know they need the guard. So, but it's always that tension, right? Yeah. But now I'm in the army. I'm on the army staff representing strictly army issues. What was your position? I was the uh, deputy director of operations for the demo OD. So the the two star that works for the three star. I know it's confusing probably for your listeners because it's just, <laughs> but now we're in the Pentagon. There's a lot of general officers in the Pentagon. So the army G3 is a three star, the chief of staff of the army. And right now, uh, it was General Milley. Your yeah. listeners will remember that name. Yeah. It's now Randy George. Randy George is a West Point class of 88. You're behind me. No kidding. Yeah. So I got to know him when I was at uh, Guard Bureau, actually. Wow. Because he was in the Army G3. So we were back and forth in meetings together. He's the Army huh. G3. I'm representing General Academy, and the Guard is kind of the G3 guy. Yeah. So we were in meetings. Randy George and I know each other pretty well, which is cool. Uh, so anyway, back to my point. So the chief of staff of the army is a four star. His yeah. primary staff officers are three stars. So the army G three is a three star. Yeah. General Anderson. He's got like four two stars that are his deputies in these different okay. broad programs. Cause right. you know, I right. want you to think about what the army G three is now managing. I mean, they're managing That's a lot. the operational army. So, so it's future force structure stuff. Yeah. It's, Budgeting stuff to go wow. into the the POM cycle. That's a whole Sick. nother monster yeah. for budgeting oh, forecasts yeah. and all yeah, that. Yeah. It's the operation side, which I was in. So I was the deputy to the two-star okay. that worked for General Anderson. Was that a guard billet? It, it was informally a guard billet. Oh, okay. But again, you're not representing the guard. You're just... Right. It's really a developmental That's what I'm saying. Assignment. They have a guard billet yep. just for representation. They have some there. guard billets like, sprinkled across yeah. the army. Yeah. This was one of the... Really, it's a reserve billet. Guard only Oh, reserve. it was. Yeah. So. Well, an AGR billet, so mm-hmm. I guess we should say. So, so it turned out that I, I went to do my boss a favor and kind of, you know, put the finger in the dike a little bit, but... It turned out to be a great assignment for me and very interesting. A little bit of the fire hose again, because now you're up a level with all these programs that the Army's doing. Oh, I mean, and much more visible. I yeah, I mean, you're two months into the job, and it's like, hey, Chris, you know, General Pyatt, Walt Pyatt, who's still there. He's actually the, he's now a three-star, and he's the director of the Army staff. So he's the chief of staff's chief of staff, to wow. make it sound silly. But it's not silly. It's a real, real important job. So Walt Pyatt was the two-star demo OD, Army G35 guy that I worked for. Great, great guy. Really smart. Good, good background. Um, made me feel welcome on the team right away. You know, just part of the, part of the team. Mm-hmm. And I'm his only, I'm his only general officer, subordinate. So he's, oh, so okay. I have to go to a lot of meetings because just like I said, there's a th- there's a hundred gosks going on right. general officer steering committees across the Pentagon every day. Right, and uh, you have to have a general officer to go to these things to have your voice heard. Same thing. Yeah. So I'm I'm carrying the water for the Army G3, General Anderson. Yeah. At a lot of meetings around the Pentagon, wow. on force structure, mobilization, readiness issues. How are we going to do the cycle management for, uh, for to generate readiness across the training cycle? Um, trade-offs with the guard fighting for force structure and manning so i'm i'm in the whole arena with this did that get easier or harder it got easier because i got to know more i learned okay it got it got easier only because my knowledge base is increasing with every month yeah because i'm getting more exposure and actually if you could have planned it i'd plan it this way in the future is go to guard bureau interface with the army every day representing the guard then go to the Army G3, because yeah. now you totally understand that relationship. And now you're looking at the broader Army issues. Right. And now you're doing, now you're fighting with the other staff and other services for resources, oh, yeah. manning, funding. Uh, and a lot of it's just the internal challenges of planning 
rotations and force structure changes and budget budget changes drive force structure changes. Yep. How do we share the pain across the army? Yeah. How do we? It's all that kind of stuff Golly. that the staff has to chew on all the time. You do know, you ever find yourself at, at a certain point in time is like, geez, I wish I could just go fly again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you do have those days. Yeah. Of, God, man, now my life used to be kind of simple in a, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But, it, but, it, but intellectually, it's really interesting because right. you're, seeing, you're seeing how the entire army thinks, plans, resources, uh-huh. prioritizes. You're right there. Huh. You are... Literally behind the little curtain with the Wizard of Oz, you see it all. Wow. You see how geez. the sausage is made. Sometimes it's not so comfortable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But sometimes it gives you a good feeling like there's a lot of good work going on. Well, sure. I but mean, you see it all. So I love that. You know, we first, like, in, you know, Afghanistan's going on pretty hard, right, at this point. This is yeah. 2016. Yeah. So obviously, Iraq is done, theoretically. It was yeah. done in 11. It didn't end up done, but, but <coughs> Afghanistan's going hard. So, you know, here I am going to a, you know, this is a, this is a DOD working group on how to solve the counter UAS, <coughs> how to solve the counter UAS problem. So, you know, one week I'm in a meeting because drones are now appearing in Afghanistan. It's kind of oh, the yeah. first time yeah. they've seen these things. Right. They're flying into fobs. They're doing damage. It's like, okay, the next week I'm literally in the Pentagon with Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, civilian, you know, deputy secretaries of blah, blah, blah. And we're talking about, okay, how are we going to solve this counter counter UAS problem? Oh, These are real working groups. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, how are we going to do this for Afghanistan in two months? I mean, well, these they've are, war-gamed it, right? Just- yeah, these are big... <laughs> But these are big national level problems. And all of a sudden I've got a seat at the table on behalf of the army. It's just cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Actually. Yeah. That's pretty, you know, or how do we, how do we all of a sudden get 300,000 AK 47s, uh, you know, and ship those. I mean, these are all fascinating problems. Right. Trust me. <coughs> well, I feel, I feel a little bad hearing you talk about the inner workings of it. And when you, when you get a story that bubbles up, say uh, a few weeks ago, they had a story where uh, they had done a, a study in at this one transfer station in Poland, mm-hmm. basically identifying that hey, there's not a lot of accountability of this equipment that we're giving that's being pushed over to Ukraine or whoever. Yeah, that the accountability is just like you know, people are pilfering this stuff and nobody knows mm-hmm. where it's going. So when you get down from that level. Up to where you were working on the decisions. Yes, we're going to send this package here. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that's a lot of levels. That's a lot of work. That's, that's a uh, lot. crazy. And so you get that story, and that's going to generate, yeah, you know, backlash up there. Unfortunately, yeah, it's it's right. It's a challenging problem. There's always there's always going to be risk yeah. transferring weapons yeah, sure. and supplies across borders. And and sometimes it's risk you don't see downstream. Yeah, you know, it's just it's, it's always going to be. You there. do the best you can with those plans, and that's about it. That's right. I do have one story I'll tell you, which it's almost a comedy, but it's it was a costly <laughs> comedy. Um, you know, I'm an aviator, so I understand aviation. I understand all the work that goes into maintaining helicopters. Right. And um, so I'm sitting down with my boss one day, and we're we're kind of prepping for a meeting that I'm representing him. The th- this is the three star now this is the G three of the army. And it's a project to get Afghanistan, the Ag- Afghanistan air force, brand new black Hawk helicopters. Oh, brand new. My, I think you're Mike models at the time, brand new $30 million a piece. Wow. Factory smell complete, you know, yeah. black Hawks, yeah, the yeah. kind I would have died for as a commander. Really? So we're going to send, like, <clears throat> I forget the exact amount, but it's like 30 of, you know, they're $30 million a piece. Yeah. Don't don't quote me exactly on the numbers. And I'm sitting with my boss, and I'm just going, sir, this is a bad idea. This, yeah. is, this is a bad idea. I'll tell you how this is going to end. These things are going to be destroyed and fall in disrepair, and they're going to be hangar queens before you know it, and we're going to lose $30 million. Yeah. Per airframe, because they're just going to be, they're just going to be neglected. Yeah, I've yeah. seen, a, I've seen aviation maintenance in the Middle East, and it's not always 
in the best shape. They don't they don't have the programs and resources and the discipline maintenance programs that we have. You so, mean by other countries doing yeah, it? Yeah. Okay. I've seen okay. it in other I've seen it in other Middle Eastern countries yeah. who will remain nameless. But <laughs> but I said this to my boss. He's like, Sir, I, I mean this is a this is a really dumb idea. It's, yeah. I know exactly how this is gonna end. It's a total waste of taxpayer money. And you know, General Anderson's not stupid. He's smarter than I am. He's been around. He's basically, and I'm paraphrasing, he's kind of like, I know, Chris, I know. Just kind of like, he he didn't say this, but it's kind of like, just shut up and color. You know, the decision was made. <laughs> yeah, it's already It's already, it's already made right. by, you know, some ambassador, maybe some civilian high high up in the in the Pentagon leadership. Yeah. And it's it's a done deal. And we're just sort of staffing it to add validity to it. Yeah. Even yeah. though we know. I know, I won't speak for my boss, but I know it's going to be a disaster right. and a total waste of money. I can't stop it. I'm a general officer in the Army, working yeah. in the Pentagon. I can't stop it. No. So that that's frustrating. Sure. And of course, it did end just the way I predicted. Did it total really? Total disaster. Yeah. And we did it. We well, those are part back. of the Blackhawks that the Taliban ended up with. You know? <coughs> oh. Yeah, that, that's part of the gift we gave them. I'm sure they were kind of disappointed. They're like, oh. These are all yeah, they're all broken queens. down anyway. Yeah, we can we can sell some of the parts, but yeah, I mean, so there's some bad stories like that yeah. that you just kind of like uh, the momentum, especially when you see it coming. Yeah, you see it you coming, can't stop it. and you know nobody cares. I'm a I'm a one star general in the Pentagon. This thing's already been decided. Yeah, but they're going through all the motions of staffing. Duh, when you know I can't be the one that says nope, nope, yeah, bad idea. Right. No, we're not doing this. Ain't gonna happen. Well, it was interesting to see mm-hmm. that iteration of the M ones that we wanted to give to Ukraine. Yeah, because when that decision was made, then somebody came out and goes, "We don't have them." Yeah, you know. Yeah, we either got to build them or we got to give them old ones. That's true. Yeah, uh, I think they ended up giving them old ones. Well, you know, we have stockpile stuff. You know that, right? So, right, right, right. Well, but they, I think the initial one was we're going to build new ones and yeah. send them, and somebody yeah. was like, "That's going to take two years." Right. Yeah, our production, our, our production <clears throat> capability has worried me for a while. And I think even the naysayers on Ukraine and, and aid to Ukraine, which I am not one, I'm a big believer in Ukraine assistance because when I can degrade my enemy at pennies on the dollar, sure. I'll take that any day. Sure. But besides that, if, even if you're a naysayer on aid to Ukraine, you have to acknowledge the benefit of the wake-up call for... The defense industry yeah. and our production lines, yeah. everything from 155 ammo to um, precision guided munitions and <coughs> sure. uh, attackums, et cetera, et cetera. We, that is a real weakness of the United Javelins, States. Javelins, stingers, yep. Yep. we don't have them. Yep. So, so there is a lot of good that came out of this wake up call in trying I to agree. supply weapons to Ukraine. I agree. Despite how you feel about. You know, a check. No, because for, we, for 20 years, we never, we fought an insurgent war. That's we right. We didn't need it. That's right. And who is our threat now? <clears throat> it's Everybody people, but his face. It's people that, <laughs> yeah. well, it's one nation in particular that really knows how to produce now. And uh, America yeah. Yeah. isn't that great at like mass production anymore. So that well, worries me. Well, not right now. Yeah. 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 It worries me. You know. So anyway, that's an aside. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm in the Pentagon. I have some sad stories like that that are almost comedies. But a lot of great stories of good things that I was able to just be a part of, not in any way like the decisive guy, because I'm a, I'm pretty low on the totem pole now, but I'm still a general officer, so I got a seat at the table. Yeah, and I'm helping shape certain things within my authority, and I mean I got to sit on in the tank, representing the army in the tank. You know, that's the what's the tank? The tank is the is where the chairman sits with the services oh, wow. when they have those meetings that are like. Hey, the president wants options. What do we do? I mean, it's like, that's the tank. Wow. I got to sit in the tank. I mean, it was, it was a, it wasn't one of those meetings where I wouldn't have been the army representative in the tank, but it's still just being there during some cool issue that they were chewing on. And I, again, I was representing the army. Yeah. Yeah. I got to brief uh, Congress. I got to brief members of the Senate Armed Services Committee on specific Army readiness issues. I briefed the Secretary of the Army on you know what the Army's doing around the world. I mean, it was just it. It was really cool to have a seat at that yeah. table at that level and understand how the Army 
thinks, resources, makes decisions, prioritizes. That was priceless. With your uh, friend from West Point. Yeah. Do you ever have just a lunch or a beer and go, can you believe what we're doing right now? Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. But he was a little more used to it because he'd been there for so long. It wasn't like... <clears throat> oh, yeah, right, It right. wasn't like, uh, you know, the Dorothy and Wizard of Oz for me. <laughs> it's like, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we did. We did talk about that, too, because it's just... It's just cool to be at that level. How long did you stay in that assignment? I was there for a little over a year. A little over a year. Because my, my time at NGB was supposed to be two years. Oh, so, so you finished it So General Academy said, I got you. you know, I kind of promised you, you don't have to be here for two years. I mean, my family was in Colorado. Right, my still. My wife was, yeah, so I come, I come right back from Bosnia. So you're going like your third year. Yeah, I'm like on year three home. of not being with my wife. So, you know, she could have lived with me. So it's not of the course. army's fault, right? Right. But she wasn't gonna. We had kids here, finishing up school. Well, I imagine you get into a rhythm, but uh, yeah. over time, it's like, yeah. I mean, after three years, yeah. it's kind of like okay. And this is this is my transition actually to my next job. Is hey, boss, it's time for me to go back to Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Is there yeah. a possibility I could maybe find a general officer job in Colorado? And he did. He did me a solid. So I transferred to Northcom. Oh, okay. So he really did help me out. So he transferred me. So I transferred to Northcom. Is that building two or building three or which, which uh, building is that? Oh, man. I think it's building two. You know, you, you probably stumped me now because it's Because one, I think, was the space. It's been five years. Yeah, but I, I know, think it was building two, okay. actually. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> you know the headquarters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Northcom headquarters building. Um, yeah. I commuted from here, from this house. Yeah. I, I so, did that for three years, yeah, too. Yeah. So, so it was still a bitch of a commute. But yeah. Well, in the winter especially, but, yeah, you know, but I did the, it. 83 is not a fun drive. So. Yeah, but I did it, and it was fine. I'd rather do that than live away from my wife. So. Absolutely. So we did that, and uh, I was the deputy director of ops. Again, I'm an ops guy. So so I I kept my eye on, well, I was, I was in charge of certain programs for my, again, my two-star, because the primary staff officers at a COCOM yeah. are two-stars. So this is a COCOM, Northcom, and it, you know, as you know, it's got the domestic support yeah. mission, which is a big part of what they do, but it's also got a warfighting mission. You know, defending the United States from sure. missile attack, airplanes, ships, yeah, you know, ground invasion. I mean, this is this is the combatant command of North America, right? So there's there's always something going on at Northcom, always. This is where Operation Noble Eagle after oh, after yeah. 9/11, scrambling fighters. They go through lots of exercises and uh, scenarios on different different uh, airplanes doing this, that, and the other. Um, I can't talk about no, of course not. I can't talk about the missile defense stuff much. Uh, just to say that that was my primary portfolio. Oh, it was. So that okay. was interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting, and I'll I'll never forget what I learned doing that, but that's the part I can't really talk about. Yeah, right, right. Unfortunately. Um, but it took a lot of my time. And then I did cyber. Oh, uh, which that was a, the beginnings of yeah, cyber. Yeah, it was the beginnings of yeah. cyber. I mean, obviously we had cyber before that, but it was really, because this is, this is 2017. We had cyber, but not established yeah, as a formal That's right. It was, uh, it was not even, job. A, it wasn't even a branch in the army until, gosh, 24, 15 or so yeah, I think it became a branch it was that, that might have been 2016 yeah. actually uh, my son actually went branched infantry out of West Point and he graduated in 14 cyber was not a branch and then he finished his IOBC his basic yeah. course down yeah. at Fort Benning and then it became a branch huh. and he branched transfer and got it so well, they were so desperate for anybody. To yeah, in. and yeah. he was an IT guy, so I mean, he's a good fit, actually. Yeah, that was perfect. But he, so you know, but he drank the Kool Aid at West Point, so he went to infantry, of course. you know, which is which is good. I mean, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he got in touch with his inner dork, and it's much better for him. <laughs> oh, absolutely, much better for him. He's yeah. really good at it. Yeah. So happy that he did that. But anyway, back to the point. So I did the cyber portfolio, I did wow. the missile defense, I did uh, quite a few other. Um, programs that I can't talk about. Of course. And uh, I didn't do a lot of the DISCA stuff. That was a different 
branch in the yeah. in the in the three, uh, which is fine because that's a big that's a big mouthful right there too. Sure. Because DISCA's Defense Support to Civil Authorities is such a big part of what Northcom does. Yeah, disaster response supporting FEMA. Primarily. Just crazy that you had that same experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, doing that before that's wild. Yeah, I got lucky that I got lucky that they never tried to put my square peg in a round hole. I mean, I was always an yeah, operations guy. Yeah. So I understood training. I understood operations. I understood deployments. I, you know, and that cycle of readiness yeah, right, and right. all that goes into that. That was always in my wheelhouse. So. I was so happy, you know, lots of officers have to transition from operations to like acquisition. Or, the you know, the whole branch detail thing, I feel yeah. bad for those guys. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. I know. So I never had to do that, which was kind of a luxury for me. I guess you could say it It uh, didn't broaden my horizons, but you know, that's okay. Yeah, It kept me in something I was pretty comfortable in. So Northcom was interesting, huh. fulfilling, my only time in a combatant command. Yeah. So I actually got to serve in a combatant command. That's pretty so wild. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. You know, for just career fulfillment, I guess, seeing how the army works, uh -huh. right? At different uh -huh. levels. So I kinda did I kinda did it. Well you couldn't have mapped that career out. No. Especially when you got guard, you're like no. guard yeah. is here, guard yeah. is here, guard it's is so, there. It's yeah, wild. It's funny because I, I talked Which to, is a testament to your performance. Well, think, so. of course, there's part of that. But I got lucky too, you know. Um, honestly, you know how it works. You're, you're right place, yeah. right time. Right. And of course, right skill set. You can't, can't self-eliminate, right? Right, right. But, you know, I got lucky with timing. And yes, I really... And, you know, one good thing leads to another. So, you know, I told you my Hopefully, deployment... Yeah, yeah. My deployment was incredible. Yeah. That really created opportunities. You think that was oh, the of course uh, it did. the 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 thing that really set yeah. all the rest of your career yeah. in motion? This was the largest deployment of Colorado Guardsmen since World War II. That's it amazing. was the first ever col uh combat aviation brigade ever to go in the wow. guard. Yeah. Yeah. It was a mission that nobody ever would have guessed my mission set with General McChrystal's guys yeah i mean nobody ever would have guessed that that would go to a guard unit well there is all those things about fortune right you yeah, right place yeah, right time with the right instrument yeah, i'm not stupid but you still had to do it i'm not stupid you still I had know, to get them through success yep i know that uh, like i know did. i was fortunate and uh, luckily we were prepared for it right and you're a humble guy and you'll never say uh nope. it's because of the job you did no nope. but to all of us out there is like you can still be presented with the situation and not yeah, people can really it, screw it up. Right? I, I've so, seen people screw it up. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm on. Uh, I'm honored to be talking with you because of all those experiences, because of what you did and all those experiences. Uh, so I look Marty, up to. I look up to an officer like yourself, Marty. I appreciate that, but really, it's uh, you would have done the same thing. Just your career pr presents different things. And, it does. Yeah. And you does. go with it, or. There's an off ramp that you take because it's the right thing. It's just the way right. it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, and they can go all over the place. I mean, yeah, uh, it can go all uh, over the place. My friend who was in Vietnam, he was like, "I wish I hadn't gone." And I was like, "Yeah, but my hat's off to you." He goes, "You can have that." Yeah. You know. So exactly. You have all those different. Yeah. Uh, responses too. That's right. So. And uh, you know, back to your initial point, it was a very weird and wonderful career i mean i can't believe I, you couldn't map this thing out like if you yeah, if you right, start and said right. let's create this really cool career for a commissioned officer coming out of west point sure but you know the army's going to draw down we're going to get a peace dividend we're going to and he's going to go from active duty army to the irr yeah to right. the traditional That's right. guard. You, had, you did go IRR, Yep, right? he's going to be a traditional guardsman for seven years and do all that, start a business and start a family. <laughs> and then we're going to bring him back and become an AGR. Crazy. And, oh, yeah, for a little while, he's going to be a technician, a federal technician. Then oh, he's the going to be an AGR. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to call him up to, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to give him a battalion command and go to war in a major operation. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like, Wow, one thing led to another. You couldn't script this thing. I feel bad for the two uh, two fourteen guys who have to go. 
Okay, how many points did he get for this year? How many did he get for this year? Yeah, yeah, it was a little complicated math. Yeah. Well, I had twenty. I I retired with twenty. Twenty eight year, twenty eight or twenty nine years of no, it was thirty. I retired with thirty one years of service. Right. The numbers crunched down for full time years that yeah. actually count for yeah, your yeah. retirement pay. Yeah. Twenty four point. Okay. Point five. So, I mean, yeah, Pretty the good. math was weird. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's fine with me. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. But yeah, 31 years became 20. Did you retire out of Northcom? I did. Yep. That was what, my last assignment. In what year? In 2018. So how, okay, let's, let's finish it out with okay. how did it come about to you finally, really, truly retiring this time? Okay. So part of the deal with General Cadavy sending me back to Colorado out of the Pentagon was I had an opportunity to compete for the two-star tag position in Colorado. What's the tag? The tag is, it's T-A-G, the adjutant general. Oh, So it's an acronym. Every state has a tag. So the tag is the sort of the commander of all guard forces, army and air in every state and territory. Oh, geez. So they work for the governor. And they are the governor's adjutant general. Yeah. That's why the word tag. But every state has one. and they Adjutant general. That yeah, seems, adjutant general. That seems a weird title. I think it's all old American history that just comes oh, forward. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. the adjutant general worked for the governor for to ma- Makes sense. Know, to get red, get the first Continental Brigade ready. To Who was really a and, general when they yeah, made up the title. Yeah, that's so, right. I mean, yeah. they were really the general and they were the <laughs> adjutant. Yeah. Because they worked for the political leader, okay. and they got the militia ready. And I mean, it's a great, great history. Yeah, because you say it now, you're like, AG. Who was going AG? Right, right. Yeah, it's not. It's not AG. <laughs> it's really the the military officer yeah. responsible for basically the readiness and response of all forces in the That's state. Pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat because state state emergencies. You know, they're on them yeah. every day, every week, every, you know, every hurricane season, every, whatever. Sounds like you'd be just they're as always, busy. Yeah, as they're everything always else, doing right? stuff. Especially um, with the governor on your line. Yeah. And then you have to make sure your units are ready to mobilize yeah, and yeah. not embarrass the state. It's a lot they of trips ready to go. all over the state. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's a big job. It's a great job. I had a chance to compete because my, my adjutant general who sent me to guard bureau, you know, the guy I told you was on mm-hmm. the plane with General Grass. Oh, yeah. And said, yeah. you ready to lose this officer? <laughs> so he served a long time. He served eight, I think, eight or 11 years. Wow. It's a long time. So he finally retired. And I was like, hey, I got a chance. Oh, yeah. I got sure. a chance to compete to be the adjutant general in Colorado. Now, for General Cadaby, that's a great thing. I know Petty. I helped, I helped mentor him. That's right. Now, if he could go to Colorado and become the tag, that's a win-win deal. Yeah. Because the tag's in the director of the army guard have a great relationship. It's really important because all the policy stuff, you want to align the governors, you want to align your congressional delegation and you want to align the staff. And if you all like each other, if you all like each other and you're all not in agreement, it's a lot easier. (laughs) So that was a good thing for general Cadaby too. So he's like, yeah, I'm sending you to Colorado. You go to Northcom, be the deputy G3. Oh, this was his plan all the way. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get the job. It went to an Air Force officer. Okay. You know, hey, it was Governor Hickenlooper. And, ah, uh, yeah. you know, and it was professional. It was fine. Sure. He did interview. It, turned, it came down to just him and me. They did all the eliminations and all that. One Army, one Air. It's always been Air in Colorado, so it's getting frustrating. Yeah. Because uh, the Air guys really have, they've had somewhat of a lock on that. Uh, and this guy's father was a four-star general yeah. and, you know, he had all the pedigree, but I'm not complaining because Mike Lowe got the job Yeah, and he's a good officer. And right now he's actually a director of the air guard in DC. Oh, no kidding. So he's <laughs> Cadavy's like counterpart and the new guy, yeah. Cadavy's not there. So, I mean, obviously he's a good officer. He did, he did well. So I'm not crying in my milk, you know, no, but it went to the not. air force guy, right. not the army guy. <laughs> And the army's really been shut out for a long time, so oh, really? so that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But but you know, fair and square, no problem. Yeah. And General Lowe, again, good man, and doing a good job, did a good job, and now doing a good job in D.C. So obviously, he was a good guy to get the job. Anyway, but that was where I said, I'm done. 
I'm done. Well, where else were you going to yeah, go? Where I would have had to go. I, I could have gone back to D.C. Oh, yeah. I could have pinned on my second star. I already was approved by Congress for a second star. Oh, no kidding. Uh-huh. So, I, officially, I could have. Wow. All I had to do was go back to D.C., get that job on the staff somewhere. But I, oh, come on, all my wife has been through. Did your wife have a little elbow in the ribs yeah, on that one? Yeah, she said, I'm not, she said, Chris, you can go do it. I mean, hey, I'm proud of you. You're doing great stuff, but. I'm not going back. I'm not going to DC. Yeah. You know, so you're going alone. And she didn't mean that with malice. She just said, no, I love you. Go, go do it. We'll be fine. Well, but, and you've been together long enough that you, yeah. Like, yeah. But you know, it's come on. I've put her through. I mean, I, I figured I was gone from her. For yeah. Probably almost seven years. That's a lot. Right. That's a lot. That's a lot. So I wasn't going to do it anymore. And I, you know, Honestly, some of the general officer stuff at that level, what I was seeing, because I wasn't going to command anything no, anymore. Yeah, right. You're carrying a lot of water for a lot of people. And it's okay. It needs to be done. But it wasn't quite as invigorating as commanding. Sure. Making a difference, deploying, doing those kind of things. You're really, you know, you're trying to do the policy and the programming and the resourcing and the trading risk and, you know, benefit between competing interests and you're you know it's it's not as fulfilling let's just put it that no. way for me and if it's not as fulfilling yeah it's not motivating right so I mean I did <laughs> don't get me wrong Marty I, I really enjoyed my general officer time and I'm really blessed that I got to do it because I got to see and learn right. and, and do those things but it was okay I was I was done yeah. I was done yeah you know the chasing a second star Really didn't mean that much to me, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I got to be honest. Well, you just, wouldn't have been true to yourself. Right, right. And I love this house. I love my neighborhood. I've, you know, I go worked, enjoy it. Finally, I worked right? hard to build a family and yeah. a wife that's wonderful. And, you know. Tell me about your retirement ceremony. Uh, well, it was really nice. So, Northcom had a little one for me, which was very cool. They actually, uh, yeah, I forget the I forget the young major female who put it together. She did a, such a great job, and she did something that. Grab that envelope right there, that big thick white one. See that on the shelf there? This one. Yeah, I want to show you something. I know your listeners won't be able to see it, but she actually, she took the time to do this for me. I'll find her name, but I probably won't find it in time. So. This is a computer signature, so that one, I I won't embarrass him uh, (laughs) before your audience. But, you know, you know this tradition, what I'm showing you. Absolutely. Oh, the letters. Yeah. George Bush, hand-signed George Bush. I mean, I am just... What year was this? Did you retire? This was 2018. Okay. Jimmy Carter. Wow. Hand-signed. Wow. This young lady, young lady, she's just mother of probably three, <laughs> three kids um, Bill Clinton hand signed these are not computer generated yeah, yeah. I mean I was so impressed with this was the North this is Northcom this is staff work the other George Bush George Bush the senior can you believe this that's wonderful can you believe this I mean I gotta get these framed <laughs> Governor Hickenlooper Anyway, I mean, that's so cool. No, it's those like are... five presidents. Wait. Four four past presidents. That's amazing. Wrote a letter. I mean, the letter's probably pretty standard. Yeah. But hand-signed. Right. To say, General Petty, thanks for your service. We, you know, really appreciate it on behalf of the nation, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Hand-signed by a former president. 2018? 2018. And you got them just shoved into an envelope, sir? Yeah, shoved them into an envelope. Now, they won't stay in an envelope forever okay. because they're so cool. It's five years ago. I, think <laughs> I know, it's been time I know. to get off it now. Yeah. I know. Notice I have them in a protected envelope. <laughs> Fair enough. I didn't know where they were on the shelf. <laughs> well, that's true. That's that's half the battle, right? To know where they are. You're right. They should not be sitting in an envelope, but it, it all in due time. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, well, the, retirement that, the, the retirement that okay, they put so, together at Northcom. So Northcom did a nice one, you yeah. know, but it's down in Colorado Springs. I don't have family down there or anything. Sure. So my wife came. One of my kids, I think, showed up because he's local. And the staff was there. And it was a really nice, it was a really nice little yeah. professional ceremony. 
and those certificates and all that. And then the Colorado Guard did a really nice one for me. The full pomp and circumstance. Oh, did they really? Oh, nice. Helicopters in the background. Did you do it at Buckley? Yeah, we did it nice. in the, the big hangar yeah, at yeah. the support facility out there. So there's a Blackhawk and a Chinook all lined wow. up for flags and a couple of nice speeches. And my wife got to give a speech. How often does a wife get up during a retirement service? I've only seen it a couple of times, but it's, it's usually rare. to just say a zinger. It's you rare. Know? And my wife got up there and she gave like a 10 minute speech okay. and it was like awesome. Whoa. Did you know she was going to do it? Yeah, I did but know she didn't was going to do it. No, because she didn't really want me to rehearse with her because she was like, Good. Self-conscious about it. And she got up there and just hit it out of the park. And I was oh, like, holy man. crap. She was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll always remember that. And just my kids were all there. Neighbors who we've been friends with for decades came. It was oh, just yeah. So cool. Yeah. So cool. Now, does every general get a flag or only if they're in certain positions? Nope. Every general gets a flag. Right. Every general gets a flag. And every general gets to gets a pistol. Wow. Yeah, totally cool tradition. That really? Now, you have to buy it when you leave. You don't, yeah. The government doesn't give it to you, but it's your pistol. So when you're a general officer, they send you a pistol. What kind of pistol? It's the old M9. It's the Beretta. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, which, you know, you and I, that's what we shot, right? For yeah, most sure. of our lives. Sure. I know they've changed now, but, but I chose the Beretta. They said, oh, you, okay. you could wait because the Army's developing a new pistol. I'm like, no way, man. I yeah. want the Beretta. That's what I I didn't know if they'd with. give you an old Cav no, pistol no. or 1911 or no, something. No, it's the service the oh, service pistol you. at the time. Wow. But it's got your own serial number on it. You get a special certificate. They just send it to you. That's they literally cool. send it to you in the mail. Yeah. And you sign, you know, receipt of whatever. And they give you magazines and a holster and everything. And then when you retire, you buy it. I don't know of a general that wouldn't buy their pistol. Well, of course not. Right. Yeah. So, of course, I bought mine. And I mean, how cool is that? That's pretty neat. Yeah. So, generals get a flag that you take with you when you leave and your service pistol, your sidearm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely Some traditions cool. are still alive. That's pretty neat. I'm sure that dates back to like the Civil War. <laughs> you know, just so cool. Yeah. I was surprised to learn that one. We get it all. I think we got it all. It was a wonderful career. It was challenging, demanding, and wow. very, very fulfilling. And you know, I do think I was very blessed. You know, I told you my yeah. little war stories in Iraq and stuff, and you know, I didn't lose a soldier. That's and amazing. all that yeah. complexity and all that risk and all the enemy activity, and I didn't even have to face the death of a soldier. Someone was looking out for me. I know my whole career. That's someone very was blessed. looking out for yeah. me. Yeah. And it wasn't a man. It was there are enough was, commanders who yep. can't say that, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh but just reaffirm my faith in God and just everything. The whole journey was wonderful. I you know, I appreciate you giving me your story because there were things that I didn't know. You know, because when you see it, even if you're in, there's still intricacies that you don't yeah. know. Yeah. And uh but your enthusiasm about it is just, you know, this is this is what young officers should come and listen to. Well, you know, it'd be nice if they did because, you know, <laughs> maybe, we, maybe <laughs> four episodes in an hour, maybe too much. Yeah. If we could condense it into 15 second TikTok clicks, maybe they could. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe someday you'll want to interview me just like about leadership lessons. I want to. Because it's a fascinating topic. And as I told you a couple of times during these interviews, I loved to impart some of that to junior officers. Well, that's going to be the new series I'm proposing to you. Yeah. So hopefully yeah, we good. can get that going. Good. Cause I really have always been a student of leadership. Yeah. I'm fascinated by it, but more importantly, I've seen it work st stunningly successful and terribly bad. Well, those are the ones that you learn from. Right? Yeah, they yeah. are. It is, it is the decisive ingredient in an organization period. And that's why there's so many books written about it because even in the civilian world, it makes that big of a difference. It does. My wife is a home health care nurse. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, your administration has always sucked. For 20 years, they they don't put leaders in those administrators' mm -hmm. positions. Yep. So it makes a difference wherever it, you go. It's so and the one person who's good at it, you remember for your that's right. forever. It's decisive. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, it's a great topic. And I've studied it for my whole life. So yeah, I would love to talk about that. Well, General Chris Petty, retired. I appreciate your story. It's been wonderful 
uh, talking your career all the way through, and it's been great to know you. Thanks, Marty. I've really enjoyed it, actually, and thanks for uh, recording it for my own posterity and my children, and maybe my grandchildren might listen to it one day. I hope so. That's the same thing. And that's pretty cool, so thank you. Thanks, sir. On behalf of General Petty, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please leave a like and a comment and share the podcast with someone else. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service origin stories. So until next time, our change, who? Fall!